Hi, thanks for checking out this message from our River Valley Church family here in Boise, Idaho. We hope that it encourages and inspires you. For more messages, be sure to check out our other podcasts. For more content from River Valley, go to our website, rivervalleyboise.com. Enjoy this message. Good morning. It's nice to see everybody getting a chance to connect and visit this morning. But I'll let everybody get back to their seats. Good morning. I know I'm a little bit of a different face up here normally. So uh, for those of you who are new, this hopefully will be a fun experience. And for those of you who are uh, members and have been here for a while, hopefully it'll still be a really fun experience. <laughs> I'm really looking forward to sharing today. Um, Like Pastor Zach shared, we were at Youth Retreat last weekend, um, and it was just a really, really awesome experience. And it's really cool because God just works things out. Um, I'm a newer speaker here um, in front of people. I like to be behind people normally, not in front. And so um, I've been growing in this space, and it was really cool because Pastor Chris had asked a couple months ago, Emily, will you speak on faith at Winter Retreat? And I'm like, okay. And then uh, Tim asked me, will you speak on faith that next weekend at church? And I just thought that was such a sweet gift from the Lord that I got to spend extra time studying one topic um, and investing in this space. So for you teens that are here today, some of this might sound a little familiar because I am going to review some of the information we learned at Youth Retreat. Um, But for the rest of you, it will all be new and fresh, so... Um, This is the final part of our Rooted series. This is week number four, if you haven't been here. And I just want to encourage you, if you haven't listened to the first three messages, to take time to go back and listen to them. I feel like this Rooted series is a really relevant word in our day and age. Um, It has a lot of important keys to our success and our health in life. And so if you haven't, please take time to go back and listen. I listened to Tim's and Zach's and I was so, so challenged by what they shared and just felt like it was so great. So take time to do that if you haven't. Um, And then, like I said, today we're going to do that final fourth part. So um, let's turn together to Colossians chapter 2, verses 6 through 10. That's going to be our main passage today. So you can kind of flip to that um, as I open here in prayer. Abba, we just love you so much, God. Lord, I'm just so thankful to get to be here, God, among all your children, God, that we get to grow and learn together um, and pursue your heart, God. I ask that you just bless this time together, God, that you give each of us a sensitive spirit to your word, God, and what you have for us today. I just thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so let's read together starting in verse 6. And now, just as you accepted Christ Jesus as your Lord, you must continue to follow him. Let your roots grow down into him and let your lives be built on him. Then your faith will grow strong in the truth you were taught and you will overflow with thankfulness. Don't let anyone capture you with empty philosophies and high-sounding nonsense that come from human thinking and from the spiritual powers of this world rather than from Christ. For in Christ lives all the fullness of God in human body, So you also are complete through your union with Christ, who is the head over every ruler and authority. 
And so as we dive into the scripture this morning, I'm specifically talking about being rooted in faith. Um, Maybe you caught that as we read through the passage. And so let's take just a quick minute, though, to review some of the things that we've discussed the last few weeks in case you haven't been part. Um, So the word rooted is coming up a lot, right? We're hearing that word a lot. So let's just remind ourselves what that means. And if you look into a dictionary, it means it's something that's established deeply. It's very strong and firmly fixed, and it has developed from something. So roots don't just exist on their own. They come from something. And as Pastor Tim shared the first week, um, a plant is never meant to be contained in a pot. Those roots get stuck and constrained, and it can never reach its full potential. Um, As Christians and followers of Jesus, we are not designed to be in a pot. We are designed to be planted where our roots can go really deep alongside the river of his life and his spirit that we learned about in January. Um, And so that's what we're talking about today. We're talking about growing these roots really deeply in our life and specifically today in this area of faith. I'm a really visual learner. And so uh, I sat there and doodled why I was reading this passage and studying. And good news for you guys, I redid the doodle so it looks a little nicer. (laughs) Thankfully, we have cool tools online. So I created an image for you to kind of show you what I was seeing as I read this passage. I think it'll pop up here. Nate's helping me out. I've given him a little extra to do today. (laughs) All right. So as we read in this passage, we see that Jesus is our soil, There's no life for a plant without soil, and there's no life for us without Jesus. And so this is a really important concept to mark down and have in your heart. So Jesus is our soil. It's what our roots grow into and what our lives are built upon. The root system is what Jesus sees, and what's built above that is what others get to see. And if you look at this image a little bit more, you'll probably have other scriptures coming to mind that as we are growing and healthy and thriving, we should be producing fruit um, in season. And that is what our life should be looking like as we grow. So let's talk a little bit more about what faith is. I think it's important to define things. I think faith, uh, in fact, when uh, they asked me to speak on faith, I was like, what is, how do I describe faith? (laughs) That's not like the easiest thing necessarily to describe, but I think if you asked most believers, like what, how would you define faith? We would all probably kick out, uh, look at Hebrews chapter 11, verse one, right? That's our most simple definition we see in the Bible. So let's turn to that together. Keep your spot though there in Colossians, because we're going to come back to that passage a few times. Um, So in Hebrews chapter 11, verse one, it says, now faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. And so to even maybe simplify this a little bit more, it's saying that our faith is confidence that God is real and he's done amazing things. And that reality for us is a reality based on the past. So it's the things that we've learned from listening to um, maybe teachings and, and, and messages. It's from what we've learned as we've read the Bible and read what he is and who God is in our lives, and from things that we've experienced walking with the Lord, those moments where you've connected and had a moment where you know God is real. And that is how our faith is established and what it's grounded on. So in order for our faith to grow, we have to know him more. So if it's based on us having confidence that he is real 
and that he's done amazing things, we have to um, know that. And by we know, how we know that is by getting to know him more, right? That's how our faith would grow. And I'm going to interject really quick that our hope is based on the reality of the future. So our hope is when we know who God is and what he is going to do in the future. So our faith is based on the reality of the past and what God has done and who he is. And our hope is based on the reality of the future and who God is and what he's going to do. And we're going to come back to that because faith and hope work really closely together. Um, And so we'll come back to that here in a minute. Let's look again there at verse 7 in Colossians. So Colossians 2.7, hopefully you saved your spot. (laughs) And it says, let your roots grow down into him and let your lives be built on him. And then there's a key word there, then... So we're going to emphasize that word. Then your faith will grow strong in the truth you were taught, and you will overflow with thankfulness. So it's teaching us once again in this passage that as our roots are growing down and our lives are built upon him, that's when our faith grows. So the more you grow your relationship with Jesus and get to know him more and build that confidence in who he is, that's when your faith is going to be strong And remember, it has to be based on truth. Can we have faith based on things that are not truthful? We can. We absolutely can. That is not the faith we want to have, but we can. We've all probably believed in something really strongly at some point, maybe in uh, the nutrition world. There's a lot of claims that go through that world and fads, and we have a lot of faith in it, and new research comes out later, and all of a sudden we don't really believe in it quite so much anymore, and our faith changes in that, right? And so we can have faith that's based in things that aren't truthful. And that's important for us to recognize um, because it's something we have to really guard our hearts in and make sure that as we grow and develop our faith, that it's growing and it's developing and being built on truth and the truth of who Jesus is and the truth of what he's done. Does that make sense? Okay. And then that last little line, I didn't want to forget it because in verse 7 there, I didn't want to just ignore it there. And it says, and you will overflow with thankfulness. And I'm not going to spend a lot of time on this, but a life that is being rooted in him and growing in him and being built upon him, this is what it's going to produce is a life of thankfulness. So if if you're wondering if you're growing and, and your life is being grown into him like we see, then you should also be seeing that spirit of thankfulness coming forth more and more in your life and growing. So let's look down at verse 8. We're going to just keep working through this passage here. So it says, Don't let anyone capture you with empty philosophies and high-sounding nonsense that come from human thinking and from the spiritual powers of this world rather than Christ. So like I said, we can, our faith can get skewed. Our faith can get detoured. It can shrink, right? Um, and so this scripture is warning us in verse 8, these are the things that could possibly uh, corrupt your faith or uh, diminish it or, or have it be something that you lose altogether in your life. And so make sure that when you are getting maybe recommendations from friends or grabbing books to read or you know, we're listening, we've got podcasts nowadays and YouTube videos and lots and lots of input in our lives. Make sure that you're always taking that and putting it up next to the word of God and the authority that we have and make sure that it's aligning with who God is according to what we know in the Bible and who God is. It's worth taking that time to do to guard our hearts, to make sure that what we're investing in and what we're putting in our hearts and our minds is based on truth not on something that could skew our faith and ultimately cause us harm. 
So in Psalms, we see um, David really spend a lot of time talking to God, right? And I just love Psalms. It's probably one of my favorite. Well, not probably. It is one of my favorite books in the Bible. And I really feel like there's a key in one of the scriptures in here for us in growing our faith. So let's turn to Psalms 143, verse 5. All right, it says, um, and every version's a little different, but this one that I have is from King James. I liked this one. It says, I remember the days of old. I meditate on all your works, and I muse on the works of your hands. So we're going to spend a little time breaking this verse down um, And I've got some challenges for you as you're growing your faith in it. So first we see that David remembered the days of old. To remember something is to recognize, acknowledge, or keep in mind something or someone. And David took time to remember who God was in the past and who he still is. And that's important for us to do. In this particular Psalms, David is in a difficult time, in a difficult season. He's crying out to the Lord. And he took time to stop, even in the chaos that was around him, to remember who God was, his faithfulness, his deliverance, all the things that God had walked them through, and his victory that David had seen over and over in his life from God. And so he took time to remember that. And then we see David mention that he meditates on all of God's works. And the word meditates, I think a lot of times we think, when we think of the word meditate, we think um, maybe something done in silence, like maybe you know, monks sitting there in stillness or a yoga class, I don't know. But I think a lot of times we view it as something done in silence. But a more literal definition of the word meditate would be to murmur or to mutter. It is actually making a sound. And that's what David's talking about in here. And he spent time meditating um, on what God has completed. So it's important to take time in our lives to to, to think through all of the things that God has completed already in our lives. There's a lot. At Youth Retreat, we got to kind of whiteboard this out with each other, and I had the youth give me examples, and it was just a lot of fun, and it was really cool to see the things that um, our teens can say that, yeah, God's done this. He's our salvation, right? He's rescued us. He's the creator, and on and on and on, and really determine and discuss who God is and what he has completed. I also read recently that our mind processes about 50,000 thoughts a day. I thought that sounded exhausting just reading that. (laughs) Uh, So if our minds are processing 50,000 thoughts a day, meditation is a really important spiritual discipline, something that we're reminding ourselves over and over and over and over again. Meditation, like I said, is muttering or murmuring, really seen specifically tied to something that's repetitive, continuous. It's something that we do over and over. And I remember reading a story out of a, one of actually Bob Sorge's books. If you have not read his stuff, it's awesome. Um, and he wrote in here, I read the story of how Francis of Assisi pursued God in his early 20s. One of his companions tells the story of how Francis crawled out of his bed as he thought his companion was asleep. He knelt on the floor, and for the better part of the night, he prayed one single sentence, my God and my all, my God and my all. And then he caught a tiny bit of sleep and got up and continued running the pace with his companion. That is a picture of meditation. Settling on something that God is speaking to you and getting it deep and deep and deeper in our hearts. And we have to do this. Our minds are constantly, 50,000 thoughts a day, right? We are constantly have things going on and distractions and things we're thinking through. And if we can train our hearts to meditate 
on who God is and what he's completed, our lives will change and our faith will be built, I promise. There's just no way around it. So maybe for you, some examples of meditating, you could use things like, God, you're the strength of my heart and my portion forever. Um, we really can meditate on anything in scripture. Um, so do that. It's full of awesome promises. Maybe you could say you're my savior and you keep my promises. Maybe you're wrestling in that space of trusting God. So you bring into your life this discipline of meditating, reminding yourself that he keeps his promises. God, you're my prize and my, my pleasure. Those are in Psalms. God, you're good and my heart rests in you. Your love reaches to the skies. There's so many amazing um, attributes of God that we can meditate on and really change not only our day, but our life. Um, and so do that. So in a little fun example this week as I was preparing, like I shared, I'm not the most comfortable public speaker. This has been a journey, uh, something that I used to shake for like an hour afterwards. I'm, I'm being serious, guys. <laughs> this is not my, my comfort zone. Um, and so this week, though, as I was praying and preparing, I said, Lord, I just really, really relate to Moses and Jeremiah. And as the Lord was speaking to them and calling them, they both responded with some hesitation about they're not worthy. They're, they're not good enough. They shouldn't be the ones speaking and some of those insecurities. I'm like, God, I just really relate to these guys. And uh, I felt the Lord just spoke to me and said, go back and see what I responded to them and remind yourself of my response. And so um, I don't have the scriptures written down, but basically he says, you have, um, talking to God, you have put your words in my mouth and you instruct me in what I say. And that is what I meditated on this week. God, you have put your words in my mouth and you instruct me in what to say. And that's what he told Moses and Jeremiah and that's what he does for us. And so meditation is something we can use in a lot of areas, whether it's the area of insecurity and an area that we're growing in as Christians, or maybe just simply to build our faith and to change the way our days look. And then we're going to keep moving on here to, I. he says that he muses. Um, I've lost my spot. I have it kind of in my head, but I'll read it correctly. Here we go. He says he muses on the works of God's hands. We probably use that word a lot, right? <laughs> Have you ever heard somebody say, I'm, I'm just musing on this? Probably not. <laughs> so let me remind you what muse means in case it's not very familiar for you. A muse means to reflect, to think about, maybe to ponder. And in conjunction with the sentence David said, which is that he muses on the works of God's hands, it's David is saying that he is taking time to reflect on what God is currently doing. And that's another really important piece as we spend time pursuing God to think about what he's currently doing. I don't know about you, but there is way too many seasons of my life where I've spent time reflecting more on what I think he should be doing than what he's actually doing, right? And so it's important to stop and go, no, God, you're working. You are at work here. You are doing things. Your, your word is moving forward. And to take time, God, this is what I see you doing in my kids. This is what I see you doing in my husband. This is what I see you doing at my job and my workplace this is what I see you doing in my home. There's so many spaces that God is working. And if we don't stop and take time to reflect on that and to ponder on that, then we are missing a huge, huge part of growing our faith and knowing who God is for us. So make sure we do all three parts of these. We want to remember God. We want to take time to meditate on his word and what he's done. And we want to take time to reflect and ponder on what he is currently doing. That's a three-part process um, that will really change your life. And I was really challenged by this about in the beginning of January, so a couple months ago now. 
And um, I started doing this in a lot of my personal prayer times. And let me tell you, that really has changed my prayer times. So taking time to really be intentional in this space of knowing who God is and reminding myself of that over and over and over again, warring against those 50,000 other things that are coming to mind constantly. So I mentioned hope earlier. I mentioned that they work together with faith really closely, and we're just going to go through that um, in kind of a fun way. Um, As I was praying about this for our teens, I asked the Lord, I said, God, help me to think of a good picture to help explain how faith and hope and our actions, how they all work together. And I felt like the Lord gave me a picture of a car. So bear with me here. <laughs> so faith, if we actually, so in, in Hebrews it says it's the confidence. That, in that version it said confidence. In other versions it says it's the substance, um, the assurance. We see a few different words in different versions. But if you really dive into the Greek of that word, what it's talking about is it's saying that Um, That confidence, it's the basis of something. It's what sits under. So it's something that's supporting everything else. And that's what our faith represents in our life is this basis that's supporting everything else. So we're going to view faith as a frame of a car. I don't know anything about cars, guys, so (laughs) bear with me. I asked him. I'm like, can you make sure these look normal? Uh, I just like a car that gets me to and from, and that's what's important to me. So um, anyway, so our faith is like the frame of a car. It's supporting everything else that's taking place. Our hope is like the engine of a car. It's supported by the frame, and it's the part that moves us forward. So our frame of the car is what the engine rests on. Our hope is dependent on our faith. We cannot have hope in the future, what God is going to do if we do not have faith established in our life and know who he is and what he has done. Our actions are like the wheels of a car. It's what proves that our faith and hope are real. It would be where the phrase comes from, this is where the rubber meets the road, right? Um, So we need all three parts of this. So let's go into this a little bit deeper and have a little fun with it. What if we just have faith and actions? I have a slide for that too. So if we just have our wheelbase and our frame, will our car go anywhere? Will our life go anywhere? It won't. It just doesn't have any power to it. How about if we just have hope and actions? Will our car be able to go very far? Now, listen, I know some of you guys are like, oh, I think I could hook that engine to this, and I think I could bypass the frame. I have teenage boys. I know how their brains think. So I just want to throw out there, though, that maybe if you could finagle somehow to make this car go somewhere, I'm pretty confident without a frame, it's not going to be able to handle anything that life throws at it. This car has no frame to support it. So it might move a little bit. But there's nothing there to to protect it and to keep it safe when hard things come. And we all know hard things come. How about if we have faith and hope but no actions? Our car still is not going to go anywhere, right? It's just going to sit there no matter how much that engine runs. And so we, we really need all three of these components. We see that all throughout the New Testament, especially in the book of James, if you want to study it a little bit more. Um, but they all work together really well. And... As faith is our frame, then hope is our engine that keeps us moving forward, and our actions are what prove it is real and working. And if we have all these parts together, um, then we have a complete car, right? There we go. (laughs) 
And if you were in, in, at Winter Retreat, we talked about a passage in 2 Peter 2 that talks about adding to our faith, hope, and, and perseverance, and, and goodness, and that whole list of things. And I challenge the teens to think about all those pieces and parts as the, the doors and a steering wheel. Those are all important things too. But at the very foundation of our vehicles, we need our faith as the frame to support everything else that we're adding to it. We need action to prove that it's legit and it's working, and we need our hope to move us forward. So all three of these parts, I think this is a Mustang. <laughs> all right, there you go. I asked. I had to ask. <laughs> so hopefully that is a cool car. Um, I don't know. <laughs> uh, all right, so being rooted in our faith supports every other part of our life. It's critical to be rooted in faith and to be strong in truth or we will have a weak support system that fails at any given moment of life. We really need all these parts. So let's conclude today. We're going to look again at Colossians. We're going to read the last two verses. That's verse 9 and 10 from our passage. And it says, For in Christ lives all the fullness of God in human body. So you also are complete through your union with Christ, who is the head over every ruler and authority. This scripture really humbles me. Um, it's a promise that if we root our lives in Jesus, then we get to be complete with him. That's, that's incredible. We don't deserve that. Can I just be honest with you? We don't deserve that. We don't deserve to be complete. We don't deserve to share an inheritance that God has for us. Getting to be co-heirs, if you look at other scriptures, it says we're co-heirs with Christ, that we inherit with him, alongside him. That's powerful. So don't forget this, guys. It is worth it. As we root our lives and we grow those roots down and we build our lives upon him, as we live a life full of thankfulness, we have the most amazing promises for us ahead. It's a really beautiful thing, and it is worth investing in it. So as we close today, uh, I just have to add, they were a little nervous because I had a lot of pages, but we did good, guys. <laughs> I, we did good, but we're all going to stand in prayer together. I wrote out a prayer in January, um, just reminding myself of who God was as I was applying this principle of remembering God, who he is and what he has done. Um, I wrote out a prayer. So we're going to pray that together this morning as we close. All right, God, you are incredible. You are so much more than I can even begin to comprehend. Your goodness extends further than the east is from the west. Your mercy and grace know no depth. You are marvelous, too wonderful for words. God, your presence is full of joy, and you have created so many things just for our pleasure. You are full of kindness and you deal with us gently. You are God, yet you call me your friend. In comparison to you, I am insignificant and unworthy of any of your attention, yet you bend down to listen to me, and you see me from afar. I am humbled by your majesty, and I surrender myself to your works. You have created all of our emotions, and you, God, as our wonderful counselor, know them all well. Our hearts are not hidden before you. In fact, you know them better than we do ourselves. You lead with patience, and you forgive us over and over and over. 
there is no limit to your love. You clothe us with strength and beauty, and you know us by name. Your thoughts about us are more numerous than the sands in the sea, and your goodness and mercy follow us all the days of our lives. You have been and will always be. You are near to us so close that all you have to do is whisper for us to hear you. You are just and all-knowing. All of your decisions are right. You know the beginning and the end. Nothing is impossible for you. You are our sun and shield. You light the way for us and are faithful to walk alongside us. You don't need us, but you desire to be our beloved. You are my salvation and my hope. I rest in you. Amen. Thanks again for listening to this message from River Valley Church. Do you know someone who would be encouraged by it? Make sure to share it with them this week. Again, for more content from us, please check out our website at rivervalleyboise.com.